0: There's no greater way that you or I could demonstrate our love for God and what we just sang than by obeying him when he speaks to us. Today we're talking about obedience and what it means to say yes to God in every aspect of your life and why that not only changes the moment when you say yes, but it actually unlocks the whole future pathway that God has in mind for you. Um, I want to tell you the story about Brother Andrew. Uh, Some of you have heard of him. Uh, Right after World War II, you remember that the Iron Curtain fell across about half of Europe, the eastern half. And that was a phrase coined by Churchill when he saw that the Soviet armies were not withdrawing and they were essentially setting up kind of puppet states in the areas that they had taken from the German army. Um, and that kind of gave rise to the Cold War, and you know the story of East versus West and all of that. Well, behind that Iron Curtain, um, there was a severe lack of liberty. Uh, communism was, was very much aligned against Christianity, and so they had outlawed the Bible, they had outlawed any practice of faith. And so the people who were behind the Iron Curtain, who were Christians, were being persecuted, sometimes very mercilessly, very, it was very torturously. And Brother Andrew was from the West, and he, out of curiosity and wondering what was happening, because there wasn't like a free flow of news coming from behind the Iron Curtain as far as what life was really like, it was all propaganda, he actually went across the border to a communist youth festival just to kind of see what was going on. And he wandered off tour, and he started to realize how much suffering was occurring. Uh, under communism and so he realized that there were still believers there but they were had they'd been driven underground they were all having to hide their faith Um, any vestiges of faith like being able to go to church or hold a bible in your hands those things were rare if not impossible for most of those believers during that time and so brother andrew decided that god was calling him to encourage to hold up those persecuted believers And uh, he read the verse in in Revelation that talks about waking up and strengthening what remains and is about to die. And he thought that the churches of Eastern Europe are about to die. Uh, We need to strengthen them. We need to encourage them. And so someone gave him this little VW bug, and he used that to smuggle Bibles and other Christian literature across the borders into countries like Romania and Czechoslovakia and other places that have these restrictions on freedom. Eventually, he would find his way all the way to Moscow, and and he would meet with church leaders, and he would give them Bibles to their great surprise and tears that he was able to deliver that. And eventually, he started a whole organization dedicated to that purpose. Uh, There's one story from early in his ministry where he pulled up his little VW bug up to the Romanian border, and he was trying to sneak Bibles across so he had kind of disguised the Bibles that were filling his car um, but as he, was, as he was approaching the border guards, he realized that at this particular checkpoint, they were, go- they were thoroughly checking the cars. A couple cars in front of him, they were getting the people out, they were starting to look in the back seats, they were opening the trunk, they were rifling through things, asking questions, the car directly in front of him. They stopped that car, they had everyone get out, and they proceeded to actually take the seats out of the car and search every nook and cranny for any kind of contraband, anything that would be outlawed by the communist government. And so there's Brother Andrew, you know, one car length back, sort of stuck in this borderline, thinking, I'm probably done for here. Like, my gig is probably up. And so he prayed, "Um, Lord, while you were on earth, you made blind eyes to see. Would you be willing to do a miracle and make some seeing eyes blind? And he thought, you know, as a matter of faith here, like, they're going to find what I have in my car, so I might as well not be trying to hide it. So he actually got some of the Bibles out and put them on the seat, just so it'd be really obvious. Like, he's not even trying to hide what he's doing as he goes in. And uh, so he, he, it's his turn, and he goes forward a little bit, and he's, he gets ready, just as he's seen all these other people do in line, to go ahead and get out of his car. But here the guard was standing right next to the car with his kind of his, like, knee up against the door, and said, you know, passport. He hands the passport through the window. 10, 15 seconds go by. The guard waves him on. Go ahead. No search, no questions. So he thought, you know, this must be some sort of mistake, or there's probably, like, there's another checkpoint here that I'm going to have to be pulled over by the next guard. And he he just kind of slowly accelerated and passed all the other guards, and they all had turned their attention to the next car in line, And he saw in his rearview mirror as the people were having to get out and they were starting to take the trunk open and things like that. And he realized God had literally answered his prayer and gotten him over this border when, humanly speaking, this would be an impossible thing to do. Um, God used him to get those Bibles to some people in great need. Um, On the basis of stories like that, he wrote a book, which I would encourage you to find. It's called God's Smuggler. And there have been like 10 million of these printed, so they're pretty easy to find, where he just tells story after story of these border crossings and trying to get God's word and encouraging words into the the churches behind the Iron Curtain. Uh, Later on, as, as China turned to communism and restricted freedom, he also found ways to get God's word into China, and he kind of built an organization around him that was also helping with this. Uh, More recently, uh, that organization has been involved in getting Bibles into restricted Islamic countries where Christianity is outlawed. And so pretty much wherever there has been persecution, uh, Brother Andrew and his group called Open Doors has been there kind of pushing the limits. And in in the bio um, that is written of him, I thought this was kind of a neat way to think of it, Uh, they said, you know, people call Brother Andrew the founder of our organization, but that doesn't really conjure up the right mental image a founder of an organization, you would tend to think of a suit and a tie and a PowerPoint presentation and a boardroom. He said, no, Brother Andrew was our chief adventurer. He was our chief risk taker. Uh, He was the guy out there pushing every limit, the guy moving through areas that no one else would have thought possible, areas totally closed, very dangerous for Westerners to go to. Uh, He was there. And all of this was because in his heart, as he had been prompted by the Holy Spirit, he was willing to say, yes to god even when it made no sense to do so like any any like wise counselor would say oh there's plenty of needs in the west there's plenty of people in your neighborhood to go share your faith with don't take a risk with your life and try to go over these borders Uh, but brother andrew in his heart said yes here's here's something he wrote in his biography he said whenever wherever however you want me i'll go And I'll begin this very minute, Lord, as I stand up from this place and as I take my first step forward, will you consider this as a step toward complete obedience to you? I'll call it the step of yes. And in every aspect of our lives, we have a choice, just like Brother Andrew did, to say yes when God calls, to say yes when we see what the scripture says. And what's the alternative to saying yes to God, by the way? Saying no, God. So, obedience, and here's kind of a way we can define it, all right? Obedience is saying yes to God. It's doing what God says to do when he says to do it with the right heart attitude. No matter what he's asking, whether it's to say no to a temptation so that you can say yes to purity, whether it's something in your daily life of just how you prioritize your time or your money or your relationships, or it's something that seems kind of crazy, like go smuggle Bibles somewhere. Uh, any time God speaks as his followers, I mean, the very definition of being a Christian to follow Jesus, we want to say yes to him. All right, how many of you notice there's a trash can on stage today? All right, all of you who worry that we're, like, getting shabby in our decor here, don't worry. This is just for today. And, uh, and there's a reason the trash can's up here, because I know that one test of obedience that I faced as a young person, uh, probably around age 8 and beyond... My mom and dad would tell me to take out the trash. Raise your hand if you have a common experience in your childhood. Mom and dad said, take the trash out, all right? Now dads, it's Father's Day, and you have the glory now of getting to tell somebody else to take the trash out, right? So I have that at my house. My kids know that well. In fact, we have, uh, if you know our family, we have mountains of diaper trash. Uh, That's the last thing I want to be involved in. So hey, kids, that's your job. Take the diaper trash out. Um, And any time that command comes to take out the trash, uh, any one of us had a choice as to how we would respond, right? Um, So the first part of our definition here, that it's doing what God says to do, it's just saying yes, um, that's, you know, the trash is there, your parents say it's time to take out the trash, and and right then and there, you could either rebel or you could do the right thing. Um, If you say, no, I'm not going to take out the trash, well, then you face consequences and we all know how that works. Uh, or you just go ahead and do it. And so the, at the most, the, kind of the most simple definition of obedience is it's simply doing the thing you're asked to do. But in Christian obedience, there's a little more to it uh, because there's some attitude behind doing the right thing that matters as well. Okay, and that, that sort of surfaces in the next part, when he says to do it. So I'm picturing uh, those many times when the trash was there, and my mom or dad would call out from the kitchen, uh, hey, son, Dan, you know, take out the trash. And what was my reply? Sure, yes, as soon as I finish my game. I know you've said that too. Um, or uh, yeah, as soon as like, I'll do it, I'll do it. And you kind of promise to do it, but you know, minutes go by, hours go by, you start another game and then you have to finish that game. And it kind of never ends. And meanwhile, in the kitchen, like the fruit flies are buzzing and the things are rotting and smell is emanating. And eventually a parent is going to say, hey, why didn't you take out the trash? You said you would. And you say, oh, no, 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 I promise I will, I will, I will, I just need more time. Okay, is that obedience? No. It's good intention, maybe, but it's not followed up by action. So it's not really obedience now the the most dangerous one of all and the one that i probably fell into the most was you know dan take out the trash and i say yes and i do take immediate action but i don't have the right heart attitude and this is where i'm going like "Ah, why can't anybody else take out the trash in this house how did this job end up being my job and you're kind of flinging the trash around and it's breaking and there's mess everywhere and you're you're kind of angry about it and you're you know get the trash out of my face and I, I just want to disappear, I hate my life, and, I mean, you're just so angry about the trash, right? Um, when that happens, are you obeying? You did do it, and you did it at the right time, but everything in your heart attitude was sour and bad and selfish and prideful. And, and when we look up to God as we hear him speaking to us, as we get a prompting from the Holy Spirit or we open up the Bible... And we say, God, I'll do it, but it's like through, you know, the, through clenched teeth and, and an angry heart, I'm, I'm just trudging along. Kind of, okay, Lord, I'll do it if I have to. That's not the kind of obedience God is inviting us into. And that's certainly not the attitude that will ever unlock your future, uh, which we're going to talk about in a minute. So, a little process check question for you before we open up God's word is very simply to ask yourself in your heart, Am I obedient? Now, kids, this is easier for you because your parents are probably talking to you about this all the time, right? And, uh, and so you know that you know, obedience is, you know, that's when you do exactly what you're told to do when you're told to do it with the right heart attitude. And if you don't do that, some sort of consequence follows. For us adults, we get used to doing our own thing and maybe we lose a little bit of track of whether we're actually obeying or not because sometimes we can get away with not obeying and no one really knows the difference. Challenge to your heart. Are you obedient? So, what I'd like to do in our remaining few minutes is show you from the Bible five, I think, really powerful principles, truths about obedience, and why saying yes to God matters and why it changes everything for you. All right, here's the first one. And this one is, is striking to me because at the end of the day, my obedience doesn't fix the problem in my heart, Jesus' obedience does. So the first thing we learn about saying yes to God is that it's the price Jesus had to pay to save us. All right, let me show you that in the scripture. It's in Hebrews chapter 5, where we learn that even Jesus, not, not in the sense that he was struggling with whether or not to do the right thing, but in the sense that as a human being he was being called upon to do something difficult and a- any any grain of like humanity in his body would be pushing against what was about to happen we read about it in in ephesians or in hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 it says while jesus was here on earth he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death now, what, what is this referencing? What scenario? This is the, right before Jesus was crucified in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's kneeling there. He's praying. He's in, under such intense prayer that it says his sweat was like drops of blood. And his disciples are over here sleeping. And that, that's the setting. And Jesus is crying out to God, Lord, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, may it be so. But, and then words we're all really grateful for not my will, yours be done. So in other words, in his humanity, Jesus is looking up and saying, I don't want to do this. I mean, this is, this is going to be too painful. This is too much. Lord, if there's any other way, please show us that way. But my answer is still yes to your will, not to mine. Jesus was willing to pay that incredible price for you. His yes results in the opportunity for you to say yes. If he hadn't have done what he did, all of us would be in the dark permanently, and we'd have no chance, no choice, no opportunity to ever walk back into fellowship with God. But he was willing. Look at the next verse, verse 8. It says, "'Even though Jesus was God's Son, "'he learned obedience from the things he suffered. "'In this way God qualified him as a perfect high priest,' And he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. In Philippians, um, when it talks about humility and the way of Jesus, it says that Jesus became one of us. He became like a slave, like a servant. He became obedient even to the point of death on the cross. Jesus was willing to say yes to God and his plan. And now he invites us to follow him into that same attitude, that same way of life. Now, when it comes to our yes, here's, here's another principle. When our need to say yes to God is actually the point of any Bible study we'll ever do. So anytime your Bible's open, if you don't intend to say yes to what God says, your Bible is open in vain. It's, it's a meaningless exercise to read. I mean, maybe it's academically interesting, but it's, it's, a, it's meaningless spiritually if there's no intent to do the right thing. Some people who say, you know, the Bible's kind of boring, I don't really get it, I'm not really sure, I'm not interested. Like, well, it could be because their heart has never actually said yes to God, so when they read the Bible, it's kind of like reading directions for someone else. Yeah, that's not very interesting. But suddenly, when you say yes to God in your heart, everything in the Bible becomes alive, because you're looking at this going, okay, these are this is what my life is supposed to be. This is Jesus, and I'm following Him, I'm learning from Him, so that I can be closer to Him. James chapter... One has a great illustration of why um, why obedience, why saying yes, is always the point of our Bible study. James one twenty one says this: So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives, and humbly accept the word that God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word; you must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. It's not about hearing. It's not about showing up and listening. It's always about obeying. Saying yes to God is the reason you would ever open the Scripture. All right, here's another principle. Here's another important point. It's that the obedience in my heart is the proof that I'm actually a Christian. Over and over again in the Bible, it talks about this. You know, it's hard to prove what people believe. You can't look into their heart and know what's really going on. And so we always say, well, you can't judge someone just from the outside. That's true. But is there any fruit in your life that would demonstrate that you actually are a Christian? Well, that would be the extent to which you obey Jesus, who you say you're following. Uh, a follower who doesn't actually follow can't rightly be called a follower. And, uh, and so here we are as Christians being challenged to obey Jesus, which is, if you think about it, it's actually the definition of even being a Christian to begin with. Uh, that, yes, I'm, I'm getting on his road for life instead of my own, that's the whole idea. Like, I wouldn't become a Christian if I didn't intend to say yes to God. First John chapter 2 offers us such clarity on this. Verse 3 says, And we can be sure we have come to know him if we obey his commandments. So how do you know if you're a believer in Jesus? How do you know if you've come to know him? If you obey his commandments, it's really not that complicated. He, he says, if someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word show how, true, how completely they love him. And this is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And so your obedience to God... Is is your outward expression of faith. It, it's the it's it's what's happening in your life that shows what's happening in your heart. And if there's a disconnect there, it's time to evaluate um, if your faith is real or if for some reason you've stepped away from God and it's time for revival and renewal. Because the normal process, the daily direction of anyone who follows Jesus is to keep saying yes to Jesus anytime he asks something of them. All right, here's number four out of five. Obedience is the practice of my love for Jesus. Now, the team read some verses earlier um, from John 14 that, that when we love God, that's our evidence that we, or when we obey God, that's our evidence that we love him. And when we love him, he comes in and it's, it's this warm fellowship, like we get to have dinner with him, we get to hang out. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. And that's the best evidence, the best practice. If you want to show God how much you love him, you could sing that song that we just did, which was a great song, but you could sing that all day long and still not really do what God is asking you to do, to obey, not just to say something with your mouth, but to live it out through your life and your priorities. All right, so we know that it's important. We know that loving God is, is really tied up, like in a human sense, as far as obeying him. Here, here's the thing that I think is so exciting. Obedience is the process that God uses to unlock his plan for our future. So there is something God has for you that's out ahead that you'll never access, you'll never be a part of, you'll totally miss if you're not willing to say yes. Look with me for just a moment at Luke 5. You could turn to probably almost any Bible story and find evidence of this principle But this is a great one. This is when Peter was called to be a disciple. And what was Peter doing? Does anyone remember? when Peter Peter had heard of Jesus before, but now Jesus actually asked him to follow. What what was the situation? They're out fishing. And Peter has this opportunity to either say yes or no to Jesus. Thankfully, he made the right choice because Peter was used by God to do amazing things all throughout history, uh, or all throughout that New Testament era of history, Um, Peter was right there as a leader and as one who even was able to perform miracles and give teaching and write a couple books of the Bible. And all of that started when Peter said yes instead of no to something that seemed a little bit crazy. And here it is in Luke 5. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of these boats, Jesus asked Simon, who would be later named Peter, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat on the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. I just want you to imagine this for a second, especially those of you who have trained for your career. This is somebody sort of stepping into your zone and telling you what to do, who very obviously has no idea about, like, your field of expertise. And so some of you might have master's degrees out there in, like, your job, and maybe you've got years and years of experience doing your job, and somebody wanders in who is obviously from a different industry, not a fisherman, but a rabbi, and is just kind of telling you, hey, I I think we should go do that. Would you not be tempted to say, sorry, buddy, like, you know, stay in your corner, like, I'll listen to your preaching, but leave the fishing to me. Thankfully, Peter didn't have that attitude. And maybe it's because he just heard Jesus preach, right? So he knows there's something special here. And so here's, here's his answer. Master, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. This time, their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, "'Oh, Lord, please leave me. I am too much of a sinner to be around you.' For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, were the sons of Zebedee. They were also amazed." Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. There was this moment for Peter when Jesus said, Go over into the deep water and let down your nets. And Peter could have said no. He could have just left it with the first thing he said. Master, we, we were out all night. We tried. End of story. But in Peter's heart... There was a yes, a humble yes, when he was willing to look up and say, but if you say so, like this is your plan, Lord, not mine, I'll go ahead and let down the nets. That resulted in a miracle, which resulted in Peter's discipleship, which resulted in all the things that God was going to do in Peter's future. It was that yes that unlocked all of that. I never want to miss a moment when some yes that I need to say to God unlocks a next step or maybe even the whole future because I was prideful or angry or cranky or whatever the case might have been. Here's what Brother Andrew says about this. Uh, he said, The Bible is full of ordinary people who went to impossible places and did wondrous things simply because they decided to follow Jesus. The real calling is not to a certain place or career, but to everyday obedience, and this call is extended to every Christian. That's you, and that's me. All of us have been called to everyday obedience, one step after the other. In the quietness of our heart, when we're tempted to think about wrong things, there's a choice. Do I say yes to God or yes to myself? In a a moment of family difficulty, there's a choice. Do I say yes to God's way of dealing this or do I try to handle it on my own? in a moment of a career change or in a moment of a, of, a, of a life disruption, in the moment of a calling like go smuggle Bible somewhere, there's always a choice of whether or not we'll say yes or no to the voice of God. When you say yes, you unlock opportunity for where God wants to take you, what he wants to do in your life. So I, I would look at it this way. Everyday obedience is your next step it's your next yes. It's, it's when you leave this place, it might not be some grandiose calling. It might not be something that you get supernatural intervention to figure out. It might just be that there's a choice of priority that comes your way, or a prompting that you get in your heart about helping someone else, or a step that you know you should take and you say, today's the day. It's those moments of yes that change the future for you, and it's those moments of yes that demonstrate your love for Jesus. Lord, whether you lead me into, into grandiose things like Brother Andrew or whether I'm just faithful with the little I have in front of me today, my heart is always to say yes to you. I want us to look one more time at that first statement from Brother Andrew that I shared with you before. Whenever, wherever, however you want me, I'll go. And I'll begin this very minute. Lord, as I stand up from this place, as I take my first step forward, will you consider this as a step toward complete obedience to you? Hey, Brother Andrew here lived that obedience definition pretty well, didn't he? Doing what I'm told to do by God, when I'm told to do it, with the right heart attitude. Lord, I'm all yours. And and even though I don't know the future and I don't know all the next steps, the next step I take Lord, would you just interpret that as coming out of my heart? That's my absolute surrender. That's my, I I want to obey you completely. It's the step called yes. So a question as we conclude today, something you could pray about, uh, something all of us can consider. Lord, what does my next yes to you need to be?